Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had one of our guests, Michael Minton, and we were speaking about long-term care and protecting assets and protecting the assets of our parents and our loved ones and making sure that they have a quality of life. And then as we got into the month of August, our guest last week, Jacqueline Whelan, we were speaking about, you know, um, what we refer to as Legacy Month, which is protecting your legacy. What is your legacy? What's it going to be? And part of the conversation that I was having with all of our listeners last week was that your legacy really represents what your life has been up till this point, meaning that it's how you've treated people, how you're viewed in the community, uh, stewardship, and everything that really has exemplified your life. This week, we're going to put a little different twist on legacy, and we're going to get to the part of legacy that everybody thinks about, which is the financial side. Since it is discovering responsible wealth, and we do have you know kind of a money basis and a financial basis to our program, this week, I brought in my partner, David Suki at CNA Financial Group to be one of our guests. So David, it's always a pleasure to have you on our show. So welcome, David. Thanks, Frank. Great to be back with you. And I also brought in a guest, Jim Sinney, an industry expert on some of the products and programs that are on the market with regard to protecting legacy, whether it be insurance, uh, life insurances, or it be uh, long-term care, so that we can have kind of this round-robin conversation today, a little bit about legacy. So, Jim, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you with us. This Thank today. you, Frank. Good to be here. So as we start about legacy, a couple of things which I think are interesting. The first thing is is that you know we know that in our country we have a retirement crisis. And the retirement crisis is really the fact that many companies over time have eliminated pension plans. They've cut down. Uh, 401k plans are now really a way in which companies have shifted their retirement to you pay for yourself and we'll match versus we're going to give you a retirement. And what happens is all of this financial pressure that's put on us during the years of retirement really puts us at the point in life where we have a little bit of conflict. And the conflict is, is that we have assets that we would like to utilize and enjoy throughout our lifetime, and we'd like the ability to spend them. But we always have some fear, the fear of running out of money too soon. And the other fear is, is that if we have different charities or different organizations or you know, people that have a need for our financial side and our support, how do we take care of them as well, thus the legacy side of this? So with this in mind, I guess we'd like to start out by maybe chatting a little bit with David and saying, Dave, you've been an advisor for a number of years. I know that you help people from all means, from very wealthy people to everybody in between. What are you seeing as far as that whole legacy conversation? Are people having it? Are they suppressing it? What are you hearing? What are you seeing about that? Or are they more concerned about retirement and you know, that's consuming them. Well, it's definitely something, Frank, that um, was different than I thought it was going to be. So, so let me give you a quick experience. I thought people that had a lot of money were only people that were concerned about legacy. And what I meant about a lot of money, meaning they had more than enough money for themselves, and they, the, the excess they had was going to be part of a legacy they wanted to leave. And, and the reality in my experience with clients is it really surrounds all of us. Regardless of how much we're worth, so so when it comes to a financial legacy, most people that have had children and especially now grandchildren, okay, they see the pressures that are put on the young ones in today's environment, and they want to be able to leave them something of significance at some point, whether they can do it while they're alive or, or when they're dead. The challenge that they have is how do they do that with feeling okay with living today? 
you know, we've that, that's really been the, the, the conversations we get into. How do you enjoy your money but also protect it and then be able to provide for that legacy, whether it be currently and, or um, obviously after you're gone and, and, and go on from there? You know, David, you're saying that, and I, and I look across the table at you, and Dave, you know, for our listeners, has young children. How old are your children now, Dave? Yeah, seven and six and one on the way. And I have kind of that middle ground, you know, which is minor anywhere from 23 to 32. And then Jim, I know, has recently become a grandfather. And Third congratulations. Time. Third time. Thank you. So, and it's interesting is as we talk about legacy, we view the members of our family all differently, you know, because it's like, you know, Jim, 20, 30 years ago or whatever the case might be, when you were looking at your kids, you weren't thinking in terms of, you know, your grandchildren. Right, not at all. Right. So, so at this point in your life is when you start thinking in terms of legacy, because you'll see it different than Dave and even different than I do, is how are you seeing it? You know, as far as, you know, does it become more significant at this point in your life of where you're at and so forth? Or, you know, do you just look at it as if, you know, whatever it is, it is? Well, basically, when you start having grandchildren, you start to think about not only the next generation, but the following generation that, that your children are basically bore for the family. And uh, it definitely gets you thinking more in regards to where you want your wealth to go and how you want to transfer it in the most efficient ways and most importantly protect it during your retirement years and then ultimately during the transfer. You know, as you know, we're going through and I'm listening to, you know, Dave and Jim a little bit, you know, one of the things that kind of pops into my head is, is that there's a lot of people that look and they, you know, I think that what we do is we rationalize things in our mind. I call it R&R, rationalizing the ridiculous. And I've heard over the years where people will say, you know, well, nobody left me anything. I don't need to leave anybody rich. And that by no means is what we're talking about with regard to legacy. But at the same point, I don't want to leave somebody debt. And I don't want to leave somebody, you know, having to clean up a mess that I've made. So, Dave, when you're talking to clients, are you it's kind of the same conversation? Uh, uh Absolutely, Frank. And the, the, the way that the structure is in the country now, as you mentioned, um, with the retirement systems that, that the Americans are involved in, and we're all involved in, um, people want to plan. And they want to know that they're, they're, you know, their planning is done appropriately. The, the, the thing that we see is, you know, based on the stage, Jim's at a different stage than I am and that you are, is that we all want to make sure that we're doing it correctly and to the most, you know, the, the optimum way that we can, the challenge is how do you do it so that you're, you're going to be okay and then you're, you can also provide for that legacy, you know. But we're seeing conversations around it, people my age, which, you know, late 30s, and then people, you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s are still talking about it all the time. You know, and you can't pick up a paper, you know, without somebody taking a, a shot at, you know, whether it be a pension plan somewhere like, you know, we had, you know, Detroit, you know, we had Michigan with regard to, you know, we had the bankruptcy up there and people that are receiving pensions today are concerned about, you know, what's going to happen to my pension, what's going to happen to my benefits. So we see that even in the public sector as it relates to retirement. So when we think in terms of building assets and building wealth, and when I talk about wealth, you know, it's not, again, like, oh, you got to have millions, but whatever it is that you've accumulated over your lifetime, you know, if you can't tell me how long you're going to live, I can't tell you how long it's going to last. So it becomes really kind of a tricky conversation there. And, Jim, I know you're an expert in the insurance industry as it relates to life insurance, long-term care, and things of that nature. Um, products that are designed nowadays are different than they were designed years ago from what I'm seeing. 
Absolutely, Frank. There's no doubt about it because now just life insurance itself has evolved beyond just the death benefit because now you have the opportunity to actually utilize that death benefit during your living years and particularly in what you stated a few moments ago for long-term care and also chronic illness riders. So it really um, makes the product that much more, let's say, appealing perhaps to some people, but in essence, it's all about legacy planning and protecting of a- protection of assets. Now, as you, as you said that, Jim, you know, one of the things that cop- kind of popped into my head was is that we have a lot of um, other people that are on the air and they talk on financial talk shows, and what they'll do is they'll effectively tell people that they should buy term insurance and invest the difference which for some people is suitable, okay? But it's not suitable for everybody. That's right. The, the challenge with that, however, is, is that they have a term, they refer to it as being somewhat self-insured when they get to the point of retirement, meaning that I don't need insurance anymore, I have enough in assets. The challenge with that that I've seen over the years and that Dave and I have always you know, had with clients is, is that if I'm planning for a husband and a wife and I need to guarantee income to you for off of those assets, mortality for a single life, um, and I don't know if you would even know this offhand, uh, Jim, for a single male nowadays, how long are they anticipating people live till mid-80s? If you make it to 65, mid-80s for both male and female, female a little bit longer. But, But here's the catch with that. So if I did a retirement plan for myself or I was planning on utilizing assets till my mid-80s and it's for myself and my wife, the fact is is I may go in my mid-80s, okay, but my wife is then anticipated, if she was still with me then, okay, and when I say still with me, she's alive, yeah. to be here a number of years thereafter. And so the challenge becomes, if, I, if it was just about to run out of money, just as I got there, my wife was going to be here for another 10 years or so, that's a challenge for her, which is why some of the insurance programs that you know, we looked at in the past may not necessarily work. Are you hearing the same thing? Absolutely, Frank. There's no doubt. And that gets to permanent insurance versus temporary insurance. And the permanent insurance, meaning that in those situations where perhaps one spouse may live significantly longer than another, what's going to be there for that individual to continue to stay in the lifestyle that they've been accustomed to? So a permanent death benefit would provide that, particularly at the first death, And in addition to that, that death benefit is a very valuable asset even during the insured's living years because it permits that individual to enjoy their assets more fully during their retirement years. And ultimately, the death benefit would refill the bucket that was spent and enjoyed during retirement for the next uh, surviving spouse. I heard a wonderful quote at one point. I was at a conference and a gentleman stood at the front of the room and he said, your assets are only as good as the asset that backs them up. Basically, you know, what he was saying is, is that if I had a million dollars of assets and effectively they've collapsed over a period of time, um, they're gone. But if I had another asset backing that up, that would replace the million. And if we looked at any of that, if I had a house worth a million and I had a million dollars of insurance on it, if the house burned, I got a million. But if I had a million dollars of assets, which is capital, whether it be retirement accounts, whatever the case might be, and I have another million dollars of insurance that backed it up, when I collapse the asset or utilize the asset, I've got another asset to back it up. I think that that's the sense that I get when I heard you just talk about insurance. Absolutely, Frank. That, that, that's the concept, to, to backing up your assets with other assets that will be 
guaranteed that will be there at the point of a person's death for the survivor. Now, when we're talking about that, you know, part of like, you know, my message to our listeners is, is that, you know, if we are always conflicted with the concern of running out of assets or having enough assets to support us and our spouse throughout our lifetime, and then we have legacy, I always looked at insurance as a way of buying assets in the future at a discount. Is that the same thing that you're kind of reading, Jim, when you're thinking in terms of, you know, life insurance and things like that of a permanent stat? Yes, absolutely. Because when you use permanent insurance, it's pennies on the dollar. So it's a discounted dollar in the long run. And that's what you want to do to be efficient in your planning for the future, whether it be for your surviving spouse, for your children, or your grandchildren. Now, Dave, you, you've been working with people for a number of years, and I know that one of the conversations that we always get in the, with people is, is that when they hear the, the term permanent insurance, they look and they go, yeah, but the rate of return on that um, is not that great. And I think that what they're doing is they're trying to compare the rate of return maybe on the cash, and that's really not what we're talking about. Yeah. No, no Frank, we, we had this conversation um, you know, a few episodes ago where we talked about understanding the difference between looking inside of a life insurance policy and looking outside and the impact it has on, you know, how you utilize the rest of your assets. Really, it's the death benefit that and the presence of it that gives you the permission to, to enjoy those assets that you and Jim has, have, have spoken about. And I would, um, you know, Frank, I'd add this in terms of legacy, what I discovered in, in, in working with people is I read a book years ago, Purpose Driven Life, and the f- opening line in that book says, it's not about me. And as people get and feel their mortality, I really see that in them. They realize, boy, this isn't about me right now. I'm talking about my kids, my grandkids, a charity. And there's amazing stuff people will do, even if it's only a dollar they're trying to, to properly leave. So it's a, it, it's a good experience to have with folks. You know, as, as you're saying that, you know, when we start talking about, you know, first of all, you know, we all know it's like, hey, you can't take it with you. You know, it's when you sit there and it's like, what did my life represent? When we start talking about that legacy, how many lives did I impact? And so if I have a mentality when I get to retirement that I'm always afraid of running out of money and I have no plan to back up those assets, I don't have insurance, I don't have any of that in place, I'll always live in fear with that hoarding mentality of do I have enough? But with insurance, okay, which is one of the things that we're saying is it gives you a little bit more freedom. It gives you the ability to do some of the things that you might like to do. Now, here's an interesting one is we've been talking about mortality, but morbidity is also becoming a very big concern. And, you know, when we had Michael Minton on a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about long-term care and that, you know, there's been a lot of companies exiting the market. But, Jim, I know on your side you've seen some interesting new designs coming out in products which are helping to address some of that and which kind of sits on an insurance chassis or life insurance chassis. Maybe you can just take a minute or so and tell us what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. And it's an interesting statistic that we read uh, just lately in the financial papers and in, in many magazines that for those that reach age 65, 70% of those will need some type of long-term care services into the future. So that's really a staggering statistic. And with the baby boomers all beginning to to retire uh, in droves, uh, it's going to be uh, definitely uh, a situation that needs to be addressed by all. And these products that you have just uh, referenced are, is another way of utilizing permanent insurance with a rider that provides for long-term care protection 
by utilizing the death benefit during your living years for specifically long-term care type of services. Now, the exit of many life insurance companies from selling traditional long-term care policies has really uh, begun to, to really force companies to really rethink how to provide this type of coverage, and hence the riders on permanent life insurance have become are becoming more and more prevalent because so many companies are leaving the traditional long-term care uh, market. So basically, these riders provide the opportunity to spend down or utilize the death benefit. However, if you never use the long-term care portion, then it also leaves the legacy of the death benefit as well as the cash values. But in essence, what you're doing is protecting your other assets by spending down the death benefit if you do indeed need long-term care. Very good. You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Our guests today, Dave Suki and Jim Sinney. I'm your host, Frank Angelos. If you have questions, you could write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, or email us at info at com. Thank you and have a blessed week. We'll pick this up next week.